It's fake. I say done work, waking up, pay me up, nine to five, five to one, one to eight thirty in the morning. Give me five more for my me time. Pray it works. Give me five more for my knees times. I don't even need rhymes. I supply rhythm. It's given equations. X's. I'm letting the sentences run like the period was a cop car. Bobsled, slippery, cool runnings in the history. Welcome to It's Relationship. This is Ellie Newman, and our guest today is Caroline Woodham, photographer, artist, director, producer, and promoter as of late. She's worked in stills, film, stock, and fine art. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you, Ellie. It's a pleasure, and I appreciate you having me. And um, I have been listening to your show, and each time I learn something new. Well, thank you. I do yeah. as well. Even before the show starts, it's fantastic. I'm so excited to sit down with you today because I have so many questions after kind of learning a little bit about more about photography. I want to start by reading a definition from Wikipedia about photography. It says, photography, derived from the Greek photos for light and graphos for drawing, is the art, science, and practice of creating durable images by recording light or other electromagnetic radiation, either chemically by means of a light-sensitive material such as photographic film, totally old school, right? Or electronically by means of an image sensor. Uh, So Caroline, I just want to start with uh, at nine years old, you did your first fashion shoot with a Kodak Instamatic. Um, were you behind the camera or in front of the camera? Oh, it's a funny thought. I was behind the camera, and I just have such a visual of that little camera, the rangefinder Instamatic. And I remember my girlfriend, Lucy, she was beautiful, and I had her pose in the grass and just let her head come just above the grass and I thought I was so artsy you know and and took pictures and I don't think any of them came out but it was fun. I was just gonna ask if you still have them I'm yeah. sure you were artsy it was probably your essence of art just just beaming out and why photography um, was that something that you were interested in um, prior to getting the camera or was it the camera that sparked the interest? That's a good question I just have that first um, recollection with the Instamatic and then my father handed down a um, SLR camera and it was so big and grand and uh, intimidating that I think I became intrigued and I guess I just always looked at, I I actually, we had family friends too that had um, that were pro photographers so maybe that's where I got inspired. And um, what's an SLR camera? A single lens reflex camera. And had it been your father's camera? Was he a photogra- avid photographer as well? He was, and he was the Kodachrome guy. He shot everything with slide film and had thousands of images. And so I guess, you know, it handed down to me. And did you have any early experiences with developing film? Was your father or any of your family friends interested in that element of it as well? Or did you, once you took your pictures, did you drop them off at the five and dime and get them until yeah. college they got processed for me and then in college I I definitely experienced with all the chemicals and printing and it wasn't for me I felt like I was in a cave in that dark room and I didn't like the chemicals and the smell so I was more about producing through the 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 visual through the lens rather than developing it mm-hmm. you, were, you were into taking the picture and um were as far as producing goes you were at nine years old you were posing your subject uh, did that sort of continue the idea of producing the shot or in your early days of taking pictures 
I think just being a personality that likes to, you know, be a little bit in charge and put people in places and um, create situations, I think it just came naturally to me. So when I later in my career got asked to produce shoots and organize and create uh, photo shoots for clients, um, it was it, it just fell into my lap and it was comfortable. And did you, at this time, did you think of yourself as, I mean, I definitely think of you as an artist, and I hope you think of yourself as an artist now. I think you do. Did you think of yourself as an artist at that point when you were in your late teens, early 20s, and taking pictures? Was it an artistic endeavor? Totally not. I did not consider myself an artist. It just was an extension of me, and we didn't, it wasn't something in school in the elementary years that people really talked about as much, and it just didn't come through that way. Uh, the message wasn't, you're an artist, you should keep pursuing it. It was just a, um, a passion, I think. Was it something that you identified with, or did you ha- sort of have your ca- camera with you at all times? You know, family events or outings? and No, no. not at all. I wasn't a snapshot photographer, and it's funny because I'm still not. <laughs> I, I do enjoy other people's, but I, um, I tend to not even bring my cameras when I'm traveling non-professionally it's kind of funny that way it's interesting and you but you went on to receive a bachelor's degree in fine arts and so there was some sort of flicker or inkling that art in some way were your interest at that point absolutely I did um, a summer abroad in Italy and I was a double major in art history and studio art and I just the medium that um, resonated with me the most was Photography, painting scared me. I thought it was a horrible drawer. I I did mixed um, mediums and collage, and that was a little more fun. But when I went to Italy and I started combing through the fashion magazines, I think a, a light bulb went off. And I was there to paint. However, I was not very successful at that. But I kept seeing all these visuals and, of course, all the stimulation from all the museums that I went and saw um, art in. And and was the light bulb like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic, I'd like to be involved in this? Was it more like, oh, I'd be good at this, or I can see myself doing it? Was it, was it sort of clear, or just an attraction at that point? I think it was a strong attraction, more a passion, and I did not consider that, okay, aha, this could be a career for me at all at that point. Um, I was in at the University of Vermont for four years and did so much art, but I never thought, hmm, how am I going to make a living at this? I probably should have, but not until I moved to Ketchum, Idaho and landed a job with Dave Steckline did I consider it possibly a profession. And what was appealing to you at that point, if you have a sense of it, with with the art? What was the draw or the the attraction? um, I think I'm a, a people, fashion, lifestyle photographer, and I just kept seeing beauty everywhere I looked, in people's eyes, in backgrounds, in, you know, the wind blowing in somebody's hair, or the light, like your Wikipedia description. It is really painting with light. I mean, it's all about the light and where it falls and how it falls. And I am, I'm definitely not a landscape still life photographer. I'm a, a people and, and was it a sense that you wanted to capture that, that you were seeing, or that you wanted to express it? Because it seems to be kind of a, a distinction in that. You know, um, 
when I think about it now, I just told my husband the other day, I said, you know, I when I look at life, when I'm traveling around a car or on a hike or something, I, I sort of looked through, through a lens. And so I'm not sure that I, I think it just oozes from me. I think it's just something that I, um, I have naturally. That's what I say. Did, did you do that before or has that developed since taking pictures? Or is that sort of your, your view, um, your focal point? I do I think it's that. my, I think it's the medium that allows me to express this creative energy inside me. So like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't able to do it through painting and I wasn't able to do it through drawing and I really was not good at it. And so maybe when I discovered that I was pretty good at um, working with people and, and seeing light and seeing backgrounds and shapes and then learning how lenses can manifest that, then I, I evolved it. And then, you know, of course, being in the profession and learning, you can have a livelihood at it. That uh, was exciting. And it sounds like it was sort of your natural, it was a fit in with your natural way of looking at things. And, and it, it, it melded with that. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I really never thought about it like that, but I think it was a good fit. And what prompted your move to the to West? Because you're only 22. It's a long way from where you were. Uh, I had spent bef- um, I'd spent a lot of time in Wyoming, Colorado. And when my parents were divorced, we random- randomly ended up in Vermont. And my dad was still West, and so I had a lot of roots in the West. And then when my sister Kate, who also lives here, Kate Berman, who many in this community do not still know she's my sister. It's hysterical. But she got um, lured out here, and Idaho was off my radar as far as a state to go see and visit. And um, anyway, she moved here, and of course, little sister followed. And I wasn't at the time looking for a career, but when I ended up being introduced to Dave Steckline and that um, business, I decided to move here right after college, straight out of college. And, and with the intention of, of making a business of it at that point. With intention of working for David Steckline. And, and so then when you were working for him, it sounds like you were, had a lot of jobs. You were behind the camera. You were in front of the camera. Um, were you just testing it all out? Were you trying to find a fit? Were you just exploring? What was it like at that point? Well, I remember my interview with them, and I, I just was so young and so naive, and, but it looked like a fun job. All these cute, fun girls worked there, and I knew I wanted to work in that medium. I was pretty, like I said, naive as to what it all was about. And had I skipped college and went straight to the School of Hard Knocks with Dave Steckline, uh, I would have saved a lot of money. Because and, and, so was that F-Stock? Was that the company F-Stock? Um, no, F-Stock came later. But my few years with David, I he he just had everybody model, uh, produce, do hair and makeup, um, work with clients, uh, submit all the the film that we edited to his stock agencies, which was a booming business at the time. And so you were beginning to learn about stock photography and sort of what the various businesses were that were connected with photography and all the yeah correct variations. He, he was a prolific ad photographer as well as a stock shooter. So, and it was it, it, in its heyday, really, uh, in the mid-'80s. And so I feel like I would not have gotten where I am today without that education. It was 
was fantastic. And then your next step was F-Stock, which was a stock photography business that you owned and operated. Correct, yeah. Was that sort of the practical side, thinking, okay, this is the best business element of this field, or was it just sort of happenstance that you fell into that? So what happened was, after working for David Stuckline, I, I had photographers come to me and my friend and say, can you sell our stock? You know, it's in its heyday right now, and people are doing so well with um, this the stock photo business. So people came to us asking us to represent them and sell their work. And I'm like, hey, we can do this. We know how. And so we started at my house uh, this business called F-Stock, Kate Ryan and myself. And it lasted and grew, and I was really proud of it. Um, the final days were in the we made this brilliant catalog and and marketed and promoted ourselves and I think it was printed in um the east somewhere not China but somewhere else and then uh, Singapore I think and we were so proud of it and then within months after spending I think forty thousand dollars out came uh like um selling stock online and that was a whole new the industry bucket just load of money that yeah out from under you, which it seems to have done a couple times. We're going to take a short break, and I want to come back and talk about that because I know when I first met you, you were making a steady, reliable, dependable sort of income with stock photography, and then I think once again the rug got pulled out from under you. And Caroline, before we took the break, we were talking about the rug getting pulled out from under you in the photography industry. And it happened again when, when the camera changed. In the year 2000, nearly a billion rolls of film were sold each year. By 2011, it was a mere 20 million rolls, plus 31 million single-use cameras. In 2004, Kodak stopped selling reloadable 35 millimeters altogether, and Nikon soon followed suit. Did the your work change with with the invention of the digital camera? Yes, and it was a scary time, and I think it still is for fo- um, pro photographers. Uh, at the time when I had F stock, we a London based agency scooped us up, which was great, and they bought us. and And all these big stock agencies were looking for smaller agencies to scoop up and buy and build their inventory and everything. And the boutique ones just went to the wayside and just in the nick of time because right right then was when digital became a factor and the stock agencies were now selling something called micro stock so you could buy images for a fraction of the price and all of a sudden a profession a hobby uh, that required film um, didn't require film anymore and I'll have to say that at the end of the day, it's still about your composition and your artistic uh, ability. But now with digital, there's so, there's just a glut of, of inventory, and it's actually quite good. I mean, Instagram and all that, iPhones, and it, it completely changed. And it took me uh, – there were some stubborn years there because I didn't want to shift. Trying to hold on. Um, but I also felt like – you know, if if you don't jump on the bandwagon and keep grumbling about it and complaining, you really will get left in the in the dust. And I'm like, all right, then I got to make gotta the move shift. On. Yes, I, I want to read something I read in an interview um, with Andrew Goodall. He said, 
There are old school photographers who dismiss everything digital as fake, inferior, and not the same as real photography. There are the digital photographers who think the film photographers are living in the dark ages where you didn't want to get left. Um, being good at digital photography requires the same skills as traditional photography. You need to be able to work with aperture and shutter speed, understand depth of field, and know how to handle moving objects. A digital photographer requires sensitivity to light and contrast and must develop a talent for creative composition. So it sounds like you agree with that. I do agree with that. And like I said, at the end of the day, it is about your skill, but more the creativity part, I think, because anybody can, pretty much anybody can pick up a camera and learn the um, technical skills for sure. And that's what I admire most in other people's work uh, for sure. But I have to say digital gives a super wide berth as far as um, error. You can make pretty grave errors and still come up with uh, an, an image that is printable and everything. With, with slide film, it went in the circular file. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say that. All right. So at this point, it is your profession and your art. So it's your livelihood and your art. Is it a challenge to balance the two um, right then when everything shifted? Because right then, then the business sort of changed dramatically. And yet it's still your art. you got to find a space there. Yes, I, I um, stayed true to what I love, and I think that's why I'm still in the business. I think if I'd gotten scared away by the changes in the um, industry, I, I wouldn't be in it anymore. I would have shifted elsewhere. But because it still excite, excites me to this day, I still want to create in some way, and I still am using that medium, even with my fine artwork and uh, the encaustic work that I do. And so you sounds like you, you were determined to find a way to, to keep at it, even with the changes, and make, make it still the art be your profession. And that is an ultimate challenge because, uh, you know, you I need the income. And so in order to keep myself stimulated, I had to be true to my, my passion, but I also had to find a commercial outlet for it. And that is is key. So evolving, um, studying trade magazines, looking at uh, commercials on television, all the ads, what other photographers are doing. M one of my biggest weaknesses maybe is the social media, which I, I you can get wrapped up in and, and too much so. I think you have to have a balance with all of that. And still at the end of the day, you just got to do what you love and hope other people receive you well and do it well. It's a challenge because you can't ignore it because, as you said, then, you know, you're left behind and it's everywhere. And it yet also can be completely consuming. And I would think also have the tendency to pull you away from maybe your real art artistic interests at times because it does really pull you in and then you're, you're kind of down the dark hole at times with it. Uh, I, I agree with that. And I, I feel like, yes, I could have ventured off into certainly wedding photography and other commercial endeavors, but I guess I keep feeling that um, it will all work out if and, I And you're doing some that. of the wedding photography still. No wedding not, not photography. Not at all anymore. Never have. You haven't. Never. 
So, so I guess I'm mixing that, but maybe with just personal family photo shoots or event shoots or. At times I've shot, well, which is funny because uh, wedding photography right now is, it's a booming industry uh, in that it's more fashion editorial. And I used to look in magazines constantly and see these fashion editorial wedding images. And so I offer, every, I've been, I, I get asked all the time to shoot weddings and I just say no but in the past I've said oh well as a friend I'll just shoot you prior to the wedding or after as a wedding gift or something and that's I really explored that fashion side of wedding photography so that's maybe what you've seen and but I've never been hot for hire and I and I'm realizing that I hadn't thought of it in that way but that industry has really changed before the photographers showed up and shot whatever was happening but the last few weddings I've been to they had these fashion shoots prior to the wedding they had fashion shoots after the wedding lots of posed and storyboards you know photos going on so it really does I would think also take a different photographer to do that business from the one that was doing the, the weddings before. It, it's true. And the ones that are making, I think, bucket loads of money are the ones that have evolved into more fashion editorial style wedding photography. Which I think comes along with all the social media and the Flickr and the Instagram and everything is that people are more inclined, I think, to try to control the images of any event that's going on in their lives to document it and and control it in a new way sort of a do, new communication i think it's too um you know a bit of a fantasy too it's fun mm-hmm. to to as a as the model or the bride or um the person in front of the camera to have that slice of fantasy you know be the the fashion model and and anybody can i just got back from a retreat that I did in Costa Rica with a friend hosting a retreat and my participation in it was the the photography part and I took eight women who obviously have never posed in a fashion sense and I I got them out of their comfort zone and they were terrified but we did makeup and we we went through clothing and I posed them in Costa Rican landscapes whether it be the beach and whatnot it was uh, really special and the outcome was so enlightening for them and empowering and it was like I said a little slice of fantasy but yet they have these images of themselves and they're all you know they're not teens and 20s they're 40s yeah and 50s it was fantasy but also maybe also a discovery of something uh, that's really true and an essence in themselves of beauty or life or whatever you captured with those photos that you know, maybe they saw a glimmer of here and there in their lifetime, and and yet you put it on film, and they thought, oh, that's me, and that's a part of me. And I wasn't liking that word I was using, fantasy, but you kind of nailed it. It's essence, if, and I think that's where my strength lies, is finding that essence in that person and, and you know, making them or having them see an image of themselves and really like it. I, I think your word fantasy is right, though, in the way that maybe they go into it, and yet they come out the other end with that essence, which is fantastic, because they might not have believed that part of themselves prior to starting the shoot and having that experience. So right. You've given them a fantastic gift in that. And one girl in particular, she she said to me, had you told me I would be wearing a sheer um, bathing suit cover-up with my, you know, black strapless bikini top and 
and um, bikini bottoms, I would have told you to take a hike. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she loved the images. She's charging through the water, and it's splashing uh-huh. up. And it's not only the feeling while they're being photographed, it's the results after. And it does sort of bring out uh, a confidence and essence. And, you know, especially with women, I think, to kind of go back to that really feminine feeling that their power their power it's invigorating and enlivening it's it's wonderful i want to talk just a little bit about your fine art and with your you mentioned it briefly your cost in caustic correct can you describe that a little bit and and did you head a little bit more towards that when your the industry changed a few years ago did that develop then or had that been something you'd been doing all along it paralleled, luckily for me, because, um, yes, the, the stock photo business prices were coming way down, but I had always loved the wax medium. When I was a little kid, I had my own little factory in my basement making batiks. Oh. And, yeah, I mean, I don't even know how many times I almost burned the house down with these two burners and wax and all this. And so when I started seeing the the encaustic being used in contemporary art uh, quite a bit in the galleries here. And uh, knowing that it was an ancient medium that was used, uh, I started to be more curious about it. And through the Sun Valley Center for the Arts, and in particular Trina Peters, she just said, you know, there's an encaustic class coming to town and you should explore that. And so right away I was thinking photography encaustic. Somehow I'm going to meld the two and I wasn't thinking in a commercial sense. I was just thinking in more of a visceral, you know, being able to work with wax and colors and oil paint. And like I said, it's an ancient medium that was used to preserve paintings. Um, wax, beeswax is a preservative, and then Damar resin is added to it. And that's what hardens the painting over time. And so... I thought, what a great medium to work in. And if I could do photographs and somehow uh, use encaustic medium over them, that could be a really neat thing. And so that's what I started doing On in addition was photographing people really. The, the paintings are bigger than life size, so 18 by 18 is a size I love. And then printing it on watercolor paper and then gluing it to a substrate, which has to be wood panel or something firm because the wax will crack and then using the oil paint so I had this um, tenacious idea and I just stuck to it and took a couple courses. That was that nine-year-old that said I'm taking this Kodachrome and the Batik (laughs) and those paints and I am making something fabulous. Yeah. And they are. They're beautiful. Thank you. They're really wonderful. I want to focus a little bit on your relationship with yourself in relation to the work. Um, you've said that my images emulate a lifestyle, uh, my lifestyle, and I feel lucky to be able to blend the two. And you've talked a little bit about self-expression through this medium and finding the medium with which you can best express yourself. What shaped your style and approach to the photography? Uh, you know, there, there are many things. And like I said, starting with, um, present day stuff, even looking at Instagram pictures, all these crazy kids are shooting fabulous stuff. Back to like the, what I studied in, in college, like for example, Alfred Stieglitz, the turn of the century, had um, amazing photography and he was also somebody that 
that first educated people about photography being an art medium. And he actually had a gallery in, in um, New York City at that time. And so when I think about that being an art medium and then people that I've mentored, mentored me, um, images I've seen in fashion magazines, uh, I think I've been influenced and, and bombarded constantly by these fabulous visuals and then of course you you make it your own and you give your own spin on it well and your lifestyle is so intertwined with the many of the pictures you take you talk also about in your own life being present creative inspired grateful motivated and happy does your relationship with your art support that state of being or is it mostly or merely a reflection and a communication of that state of being Let's see. I think it's both. It for sure is both. So I selfishly try to preserve this lifestyle here in Ketchum, Idaho. And then um, another place I travel a lot is Maui, Hawaii. And everywhere you go, there's beautiful people on the inside and out. So I think I, I get inspired, but I also am really proud when I create images that please people or that please myself. And I get that really great connection with people's eyes. And so I think that's that's my muse. That's my inspiration. And, and does your photography and your art in general play a role in your personal life? I know you you share it generously with your daughter, and uh, she's she's definitely trailing right behind your heels as far as her creativity and her artistic expression. I noticed one of the first things on your bio was you mentioning that you were born an identical twin, um, and. You've also, in, in throughout your, your life, you're married, you have a daughter, you have a large family, um, you're very athletic, you've, you're amazing at windsurfing and big wave surfing, what I think is crazy out there, miles out with sharks and, <laughs> and huge waves, and you've survived cancer. Um, how has your art expressed or supported you through these more personal events? I haven't answered that question for myself, but I think that the other day I, I was trying to describe to somebody what it feels like when I'm not being creative, and the only thing I could think of was it makes me grumpy. And I, um, my friend has an expression. She said that you feel this undertoed. I'm like, what's undertoed? Is it undertow? <laughs> because that makes sense where you get dragged under. She's like, no, undertoed. And I still want to discover the origin of that because uh -huh. I think it's very strange, but it so describes it. It's like you get this grumpy feeling like you want to create and you want to um, have that satisfaction. So, you know, as you go through life and you experience uh, what – may seem like a problem it's just a it's just a curveball maybe like cancer or you know troubles here and there and you just move forward and try to sometimes it's I guess pacifying and relaxing too when you go out and create and and if it's been a, a week or days and I get that feeling I almost force myself to get out and and look through the lens and and find that um kind of joy again during the break our brilliant producer, Dana, um, let us know that the undertoad comes from uh, the world according to Garp. And so Carolyn, I think, was very happy to find out where that Finally, came from. Finally, after all these years. 
I want to switch and talk a little bit about your relationship with your subjects and the environment, um, which include nature, sports, physicality, beauty, life, and living, and self-image, which we mentioned just a little bit. Um, when I look at your photos, especially the combination of stills and video together, I see you capturing people's elements, which is something we talk about a lot on the show, where your skills meet your passion and time kind of goes, goes still and magic happens. Um, they're often in simple activities, but they're pure and they're deep and they're expressive and joyful, as I mentioned before the break. I see photos of people connected to their environments and in action, and it's like the inside is connected to the outside. So I want to ask you, what are the things outside of us that we connect to or are connected to that make us most us or show the parts of us that's most element, elemental to the whole of who we are as an individual and, and the part as a whole? Because you capture that in your photos. And I'm wondering, is that something you, you see when you start taking the pictures? Does it, is there an aha moment every time you're doing a shoot and that comes together? That's funny you ask because, like, again, this Costa Rica trip, I had eight women who I did not know. And one girl in particular, her her name was Sarah, and she, mother of three, she's an artist herself, and she has short, short, dyed white hair. And she was a little, I could tell she was a little um, nervous, maybe out of her element here in Costa, there in Costa Rica and with all these strange gals. And I just, I think, Maybe I have um, ability to to read people well, and I just took my time to get to know her and saw how she expressed herself through clothing and through how she interacted with people. And when we went on our photo shoot, I think she was super nervous about it, but right away I think she I, I think she was also super excited because she is an artist and and she's extremely photogenic, and she was probably the most successful of all eight women because um, I think a combination she warmed up to me and I saw what what made her tick like I had her sitting on this and you worn saw out it prior to beginning not totally not totally yeah. I, I think you had an inkling yeah sometimes I'm just like I hope something comes together <laughs> because I've got her for a couple hours and I really want to make it work for both of us and so I had her sitting on this uh, worn out old Costa Rican cement pillar and somebody had spray painted no on it and she just happened to be in one of her grunge t-shirts and like keep that on it's perfect sit up here um, put this baseball cap on backwards and it was her like I I go you look 11 right now and you look like you're totally in your element so you're looking out at the environment you're looking at the person and the pieces you're just grabbing the pieces and you're putting the pieces of the puzzle and you're putting them all together until it's there yeah and it happens sometimes easier than others um and obviously if I have more to work with I can pull whether from from whatever whether it's props or a background or um, the person's wardrobe and make it come together for them and me. And so it's pretty stressful at times because, you know, especially on if you're art directing yourself and you don't have a client there saying, this is the storyboard, make it look like that. Um, it's all up to you. And I guess I think that maybe is my forte. Okay, definitely seems to be when, when you look at the results. 
Are you sort of actively and consciously managing your relationship with your subject at that time? Once you've now sort of, you've got that click of, of the vision and the pieces of the puzzle are together. It's another skill that's involved, I think, to then work with the, the subject of that to create the communication you want to create. I agree with that. I think you have to um, take your time and hopefully not offend or push somebody really into an uncomfortable place. And I I can safely say probably every time I push people out of their comfort zones, but I try to do it in a way that makes them feel safe. And I actually with DSLR now there's a, you know, you can look at the image on the back. So that's a great way to communicate with the model and say, look at this, although the LCD screen is quite small, they can build confidence by seeing the result see right away. Because you have to push them, from what we've talked about so far, you have to push them out of their comfort zone to get that them into that new vision of themselves that you want them to see. Yes, and and maybe they warm up to that. Um, nine times out of ten, I would say I push them in a direction that's positive, mm-hmm. and and the results are good, and I the feedback is excellent. Like people say, that was really fun, and I'm super excited about the images. And, and you've got to be willing to make mistakes, right? We talk about that a lot. To get the great art or the great anything, you've got to be willing to make mistakes. And with photographers especially, right, I've always said, oh, you take a 1,000 pictures, and one of those is, is the one. Um, maybe that's an exaggeration, but, but there's got to be some not-so-great ones with to get the great one. I think about measuring it in the sense of uh, film because in a roll of 36 exposure, I always said if there's one or two images, that's all you can hope for because you're working with um, somebody exuding an energy, you're working with their expression, you're working with environment, you have so many elements coming together. So you're clearly after the authenticity of it. You're also creating an impact, you know, consciously creating an impact of the image that you want to create because you've got a vision um you know there's all kinds of saying pictures never lie the camera never lies every picture (laughs) tells a story um there's some stories through history where you know that might not really be true there's some photos that were maybe faked or or changed and and gave a, a misimpression um your start began your interest in photography with the um fashion magazines were which were airbrushed perfection what what's the balance that you've sort of reached with those two sort of diametrically opposed things the the constructing the image the perfecting the image and and yet you're really trying to create an authentic vision of the essence of the, of whatever you're shooting well i think at times uh you swing and miss for sure and you hope that that doesn't happen a ton, but the, I think the surprise element is is also a big attraction. So when you go to start your vision, I think if you're too dogmatic about getting it, the result isn't going to be as as good. And uh, I'm not. I mean, I I use studio lighting at times. I prefer natural light because I think that the the element of surprise is there. In studio, you get to control pretty much everything, and you can maneuver and goof around it, with it until you get what you need and what you want. And I see that in, in ad 
ad work all the time where you can tell that you know they've executed exactly what they wanted but yet there's another element of of surprise there like they didn't really expect the weather I and mean, you can sort of analyze a picture and mm -hmm. see that okay this is what they sort of had in mind but isn't that this, great this because is where this, it went yeah and so there's an element of trust in that would you say by nature you are a pretty trusting person you know you trust this world you're in you trust the world to provide you can kind of let go of of your need to control and, and go with the flow of that it's it's at times it's kind of annoying because it's stressful i think and and i'm not sure that losing that stress would be a positive thing i think in life you have to have a certain element of tension and i wouldn't say negative tension stress i would say tension so if you can balance that um that that tension that sort of makes you stretch and makes you not be that control freak over the weather that you might have gotten or the you know the expression that you got from the model that so, kind of so thing so you drive in the car but you're willing to go on another road or, or change lanes or pull over they actually did a study on cells and they found that without any sort of tension exactly what you're saying tension rather than stress some sort of tension or challenge or challenge or imbalance the cells would just die Yes, so I it's, think it's, it's a life thing, right? It's a it's, life thing. So you talked a little bit about um, DSLR, and um, that's sort of a, a new medium. And you're now directing and filming and producing, and it's a, a combination of what you have on your website of those videos with stills, which I just think is so so creative and, and magical. Um, if you would maybe just talk a little bit about what that is. I think I would like to be... Directing, I've directed uh, all the HD high def videos that I've done. Um, I think down the road it would be fun to have a me as a director and have um, a DP, a director of photography, actually using the camera. Because honestly, there's there's a lot going on when you're shooting HD video, HD film, um, and being pretty new at it, I'm I still get pretty nervous and and wonder if I've I've set everything just right and that your ISOs are different your shooting speeds are different your focus is totally different um, hand holding is possible but it's better to have um, certain things that can keep your camera steady steady cams and things like that so there's a completely new level that you can go to with that and right now my I love the feel of my videos they certainly could be um, technically more uh, perfected but I have a excellent editor in LA who makes my work look really great and um, he's been supportive in helping me learn along the way too so that was a big stretch for me learning HD but it was it was really exciting because stills are stills and then when you see this moving element and you have somebody put it together and you you put great music to it I just I can't get over how it looks it's it's just super exciting I love it and so you're wearing a bunch of hats again and you, you said a couple things I want to touch on back to when you were when you were t 22 and had moved here and you're, you're doing all sorts of things you're producing you're directing you're editing you're managing the subjects um, is the editing something is that c comparable to the developing of the film um, from the older days is that a piece of the puzzle you're you're not as interested in like, is editing. that the handoff 
Editing, no, you have to be hands-on and you have to be discerning. And it's great to have another eye there because typically you fall in love with images because of where you were, how you felt. And if somebody could look at it, and many of my friends have said, yeah, no, that one can disappear forever. And I'm like, but wait, it's like an old shirt. I like that one. Um, So I think it's super helpful to have additional editors, but to be able to look at your film and you know, critique it is, is critical. It's important. And it's not, I wouldn't parallel it with developing. It's more looking at the final result and, you know, how could you improve? What would you do different? Did you style it well? Um, what about the locations? Blah, blah, blah. So we got to talk a little bit about the music because you mentioned it and we're a radio station and most of people here are all about music. How do you choose the music that goes with your videos and, and the artists? Um, is it something that you think about before making the video? Do you make the video first and then put the music on? Art, I mean, the music is actually a huge part of it because it, it um, gets, sets, the, sets the tone and the tempo. And there's tons of free music out there, uh, just like um, there is photography. You can, or free, or you can buy it for an inexpensive rate. But... I I like to connect with an artist like Mo Dixon was somebody that I I connected with and he actually recorded this this first um, his first version of this song Dance as if nobody's watching you which is an incredible title oh, this makes you feel so good when you listen to it and um it's on my website the 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 video that accompanies that but it's a it's a couple in their retired years and they're they're doing I just asked them let's do what, you do when you're retired and act like a kid again and play and they're they're surfing I had them wiggle into wetsuits and running into the Oregon cold water I had them hula hooping and catching footballs and drinking wine and making a bonfire and jumping on a bed and and the song couldn't have been more perfect for that and I'm so grateful to Mo to to share that with me so unless you buy a song um, get one that's a freebie or connect with a friend that's a recording artist um that's and, how you... and it is magic when you look at it you know you see all of those emotions that they're experiencing and then with the music to support it all of those parts are coming together as a whole to express a really powerful uh, message it's wonderful and it did with that one uh other songs are just about the 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 feeling maybe the the lyrics don't mm-hmm. necessarily match the action but um, it's a fun part of the HD process. I really like searching for music and accompanying it with a so it pairing really is it. So it's sort of a whole new frontier the, for you um, from just still photography. Are you comfortable with it? Is not it, always. Is it, a, is it a welcome one? Sometimes not. I, I feel like I'm too old for this. But then <laughs> I'm like, no, it's, you know, life is about learning. And unless you, like I said, get out of your comfort zone and, and try new things and and be daring and willing. Um, I want to grow. I want to stretch. From the outside, it looks like all of the factors fit. You've got the movement, the physicality, the the beauty, the art, the joy, the expressiveness that it, it could you know matches your personality and your your attitude towards life. And I want to talk a little bit more uh, go back to your Costa Rica retreats. 
and they seem to me to embody all the elements of your lifestyle and your work. You're out there, you're surfing, you're doing yoga, it's an incredibly beautiful environment, and you are shooting photography. I want to know a little bit about the perspective. We've talked a little bit about your relationship with your camera and with the environment and with yourself in relationship to your art and your photography and just brushed a little bit on, on the subjects. Um, and, and when you think about that, you've got the relationship with your subjects when you're taking the pictures and also when the pictures are finished and, and, the, and then they become the viewer. They're no longer the subject. I just wondered how much are you thinking about that when you're planning the shoot or during the shoot, is that something that's on your mind? Are you asking what's on my mind post? Are you, are you thinking about, well, what, what's this image going to be and what's the viewer going to take from it or think about it or experience when they see it? Uh, I think that's unfolded over time and you hope that they, I, I, I think you know, 90% of the time or more, I get great feedback. I mean, people actually, you know, I make new friends and people really feel like they've connected with me and I have with them and I brought out a certain vulnerability in them that, and ex expose them, whether it's exposure of a, you know, it's mostly, you know, or always positive, playful side of them, which is, is nice. It's wonderful. And are you thinking about sort of like a, an advertisement we might see on TV where the, the people who create that, they have a very specific message that they want mm -hmm. to be gained from the viewer when they see it. Is that in your, your mind at all or is it no, just you're seeing something and you're, you're capturing that and then you're laying it on the table and saying, here it is. I think this is, this is authentic and wonderful and beautiful. You know, you, you kind of take it as you may. Well, when I see those commercials and they make me feel a certain way, I mean, I commend them because I know that that's really hard to do. So I can't say that that's fully art-directed with me, especially on this this co-produced Costa Rica girls' retreat. I didn't plan on, you know, I, I would take these new gals and do this these sort of fashion-style shoots with them. And... A lot of times they didn't have the location picked out or exactly what they're going to wear, and, and, and it would unfold, and you just hope that the experience is going to and be is positive. And is it collaborative? Is, are they participating in those elements of it? Are the steps that you're taking to create the shoot sort of just as much the artistic experience for you and for the people who are participating as the results are? I try to include the models because I think that that's a huge element in making them feel comfortable and getting great results. So we go through clothing, and a lot of times I'll bring my own clothes and and then um, just communicate with them and tell them, talk to them along the way. This is this is what I have in mind, and I might even say, I have no idea what I have in mind. Let's right. just roll with it. And that makes them comfortable too. I think just having them bring them into the fold so to speak and again and the, the showing process. the process and showing them the lcd screen along the way to help build confidence so that's a it, it just unfolds that way so you, you've melted it all the process is art the result is art the subject is art the subject's involved in the art it's fantastic and yeah. the results are incredible well thank you so much caroline for joining us it's been wonderful thank to talk you. with you and learn about your art 
in your photography and you. So thank you. Thank you, Ellie. Appreciate it. For all my people. For all my people. Check. I write this today so when World War Three starts, I can look back and know what I was thinking. I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if I could have all the people I love the most in my life close outside of when I'm dreaming? I wish she was here. We could be in love and fuck off.